0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of Pasha. My name is Godfrey Boafo,
1: and I am Inas Kusana. Thanks for joining us.
0: In today's episode, we talk democracy in Africa. Joining us is Nick Chiesman, professor of democracy at the University of Birmingham in the United Kingdom. He starts by discussing democracy and authoritarianism on the continent. Is it on the rise or is Africa backing the trend?
2: If you look at the last year, things look a little bleak. I mean, we could talk about the Tanzanian elections, where we see a number of opposition party leaders arrested. Côte d'Ivoire, where there was an opposition party boycott. Guinea, where, of course, there was a change to the constitution to allow the president to run for third term and then a controversial election on top of that. And if you took those cases, you would say there seems to be clear democratic backsliding. And, And there is evidence of that in a number of cases. But I also think we need to be careful not to push that too far. Uh, I said a little while back that the sort of eight or nine elections we had coming up were mostly in countries Uh, that were already more authoritarian. And we probably couldn't expect good quality elections in most of those cases. If we'd have been doing this podcast a few years ago, we'd have been talking about a set of elections that were in more democratic countries and where we might have expected better outcomes. You know, places like Liberia and Sierra Leone, where we've recently seen opposition party victories. So I think the recent trend has been really worrying, but it's important to remember that these countries were already some of the more authoritarian countries in Africa and they don't represent the whole continent there's also a set of countries with more positive experiences out there
0: but events over the past weeks seem to paint a rather gloomy picture of the state of democracy on the continent let's look at some of those democracy problem spots of the past few weeks in more detail starting with Tanzania
2: Well, I think, you know, it's very clear that we've now seen an extremely problematic election in Tanzania. Uh, We had a context going into that election where there was increased government repression and censorship, where media outlets basically were too intimidated and worried about reporting on the opposition, that they didn't even carry stories of Tundu Lisu, the main opposition candidate, to return to the country to contest in the election uh, following his uh, decision to flee the country, uh, having been, um, survived an attempted assassination in 2017. Uh, since then, we've obviously seen a major process in which there seems to have been a systematic attempt to prevent opposition candidates from actually getting nominated. That set uh, the scene for growing concerns at the Tanzanian government, CCM, the ruling party, was attempting to create a kind of dominant party state where it would win such a majority in the different parliaments that it would be able to change the constitution and that then encouraged uh, rumours and concerns that perhaps President Magafuli wants to be a president for life. Some people initially thought those concerns were overblown, but if you look at what happened around the election, we actually see CCM winning overwhelming majority in parliament that seems according to most experts and observers to be implausible given the success and support of some of the opposition candidates who lost Um, and in the aftermath of the election a lot of those opposition candidates being arrested um, on spurious charges of, of treason or terrorism and I think what that tells us is that actually Tanzania has moved quite significantly over the last few years. We knew it was moving in this more authoritarian direction but the election has really, I think, changed the way we need to think about Tanzania.
1: Tanzania is effectively an authoritarian state. Worryingly, it's not far from Rwanda where the ruling party wins about 99% of the vote. There is surprise in how Magufuli has turned Tanzania. The country could have gained democratic legitimacy by having credible results, but instead, it went for a landslide and won party dominance. This is sad news for the country as there won't be effective scrutiny of the government. Worrying things like a third term for Mabufoli now come into play. But Tanzania isn't the only case with such issues.
2: Uh, In Guinea, we have a deeply controversial election that, of course, the opposition claimed that it won, but also an election in which opposition and some civil society groups say the president shouldn't even be contesting because it represents an attempt to get a third term in office. That's also something that's happening in Côte d'Ivoire, where, of course, we've seen opposition parties boycott the election and try and set up their own transitional arrangement um, as a direct challenge to the legitimacy of the president, who won the vote. But, of course, with an overwhelming margin because the main opposition... opposition candidates were boycotting and so we see in all three cases in a sense a kind of political impasse where presidents are claiming victory, opposition parties are challenging the legitimacy of that and there doesn't seem to be domestic processes that can resolve um, those situations and so I think if we were just to focus on those three cases we would see um, you know a particular kind of pessimistic moment but as I say I think it's important to remember that those three cases don't represent the whole continent.
0: There is no denying that Africa has become more democratic since the 1990s. What then should we make of these incidents? What do they tell us about Africa's democratic trajectory?
2: I think, you know, it's always been clear that we've had multiple different pathways in Africa. You know, there is no one Africa where democracy is concerned. And it's very unhelpful to speak as if there is one Africa. And instead, we've had different pathways. You know, we've had those countries that have made relatively smooth progress. You know, the countries that have always been relatively open and democratic, Botswana and Mauritius, and in countries that have done relatively well in terms of, you know, uh, pursuing a similar path, countries like Ghana and South Africa. And then we've had countries that have kind of always been pretty solidly authoritarian kind of Cameroons your uh, your Rwandas and then in the middle of that you know if we think about that as a kind of spectrum in the middle between those two we've had these countries where uh, sometimes you see the opposition doing better sometimes the government seems to crack down and the opposition does worse and you see a kind of cycle of the opposition becoming more competitive and then a kind of major election controversy I'm thinking of countries like Kenya of Zimbabwe of Zambia um, where the opposition actually secures a significant proportion of the votes um, and the election is much more kind of real question of who's going to win power even though the government still wins most of the time Um, and in countries like Zimbabwe of course around 2008 Uh, Kenya around 2007 we saw elections that you know many people believed the opposition won and there was a major political crisis because all of a sudden the government cracked down and didn't allow that to happen and so I think one thing we need to keep in mind is that we know we still have these different pathways Um, what I think is happening in countries like Tanzania is that country you know some of the countries that were in the sort of middle category that I was talking about are now consolidating authoritarianism and they're drifting back to more solidly author authoritarian category, along with the Angolas and the Cameroons and the Rwandas.
1: It's also important to remember that some of the countries like Malawi, Liberia and the Gambia have graduated and have somewhat stable democracies. It's not just a negative story. Some countries are in the middle ground, like Kenya, where you can make cases for problematic elections or for a stable political period. The key thing is to recognize that these multiple different pathways have always been there. These cases represent one side of them. It's important to note that these slides may not be permanent. In countries like Nigeria and the Gambia, we saw dominant parties be constructed, but effectively defeated by a number of iterations by opposition parties forming coalitions and using improvements in the electoral system.
2: So I don't think we should be you know, completely pessimistic about the prospects uh, for some of these countries, although it's very clear that they're moving further away uh, from democratic consolidation as we speak.
0: How well is Africa doing in the democracy sticks compared to the rest of the world?
2: I think that's a great question. And often, you know, it's easy to assume that Africa is somehow doing worse. And particularly because of the headlines recently um, in the countries that we've talked about today, that sort of brings that uh, sense of kind of Afro-pessimism. Um, but actually, if you look at the broader picture, as I've said, there are also some reasons to be optimis- optimistic. And actually, you know, what we've seen recently in terms of the data that have been released by organizations like Freedom House about the impact of you know, the coronavirus pandemic on democracy and the general trend over the last 12 months is that you know, almost every country uh, in the world has either stagnated or actually seen democracy uh, you know, step back a little bit Um, I think Freedom House records something like 80 countries in which there's been the democratic decline, a number of countries in which there's been relative stability. And I think only one, Malawi, um, in which there's actually been a positive trend towards democracy. And so Africa actually has one of the success stories over the last year. Um, And I did a report um, a couple of years ago for the BTI, the Pedersman Transformation Index, in which we looked at every country across sub-Saharan Africa and actually found that many of the sort of negative trajectories in certain countries were balanced by more positive trajectories in others and that overall there hadn't been a dramatic shift in the sort of average level of democracy in Africa, although there had been significant movements in a number of countries. So I think it's important not to go from a small number of cases that have had significant democratic problems in the last 12 months to the assumption that everything is not working in Africa or that democracy isn't possible in Africa. Actually, the picture is much more nuanced than that. And you could even make an argument that Africa has fared relatively well where democracy is concerned compared to some other regions during the coronavirus pandemic.
1: There have been some issues like abuses by security forces and the government censorships over the media during coronavirus coverage. But there have been many positive stories over the last few years we've seen positive stories in transfers of power in countries we haven't expected africa doesn't look out of kilter with other regions in some cases countries can be seen as more positive than other regions that's a reason not to lose sight that there are positive success stories and there are position victories in countries where it's not expected
2: and that you know in countries you know from Kenya to Malawi we've recently seen really interesting constitutional developments and legal developments including uh, the first elections of the president to be nullified on the African continent and we shouldn't lose sight of the significance of those sorts of breakthroughs um, we don't want to you know, suggest that those breakthroughs necessarily mean that every country in Africa is going to follow suit or that all judiciaries will be able to make more independent decisions. Of course, those decisions were very much based on conditions in those countries. But it is important to note that those sorts of success stories and those sorts of precedents are being set um, all the time and that those are as important stories as the kind of democratic backsliding we've seen recently in Tanzania.
0: What in your view needs to happen to deepen democracy in Africa?
2: I think it's, uh, it's a very difficult and dangerous moment right now. I think we see a very complicated international arena in which it's a multipolar world and there are more countries coming to Africa for partnerships than ever before. And that's a great thing because it's empowered African governments to pick and choose which partners they want. And it's strengthened the ability of African governments to plot their own course when it comes to public services and what they want to deliver to citizens. Uh, But it's also meant that the sort of traditional voice of pro-democratic countries has been diluted, both because of competition from rivals like China but also because Western democracies to an extent have completely undermined their own uh, legitimacy and foundation to promote democracy abroad because of course the challenges that they have at home and nothing demonstrates that more than President Trump uh, this very day continuing to claim that the election in the United States was rigged even though he was the president who presided over it. So I think there's a really interesting and complicated international moment and I think one thing we should probably expect Uh, which is of course also true of Africa's history, is that domestic processes are going to be far more important than international ones to the future of democracy. So democracy is going to be advanced where we see effective coordination between opposition parties forming effective coalitions, civil society groups and media groups coming together to protect civic space, to protect freedom of speech, and to hold governments to account, and to create the opportunities for those kind of windows of change that occasionally come along.
1: Transfers of power don't generate democracy on their own, but they are a good indication of the ability to have accountability in a country. They demonstrate that governments are willing to lose power. These transfers of power generate trust in the political system more broadly, and they show that governments are willing to lose. In Ghana, for example, elections are very competitive and very close, but the results are respected by the losers who try to do better, rather than protest or undermine the system.
2: So I think for me, it's that process of opposition parties and civil society groups coming together, sustaining Uh, political rights and civil liberties as best they can and then taking those windows of opportunity when they present themselves to push for more far-reaching reform and i think longer term that process is going to be sustained by the expansion of the african middle class and by the process of urbanization which is going to create stronger bigger urban electorates and one thing we know at the minute is that most urban electorates are more favorable to the opposition than their rural counterparts. So there's a set of demographic and socio-economic changes here that are also happening that potentially will strengthen the opposition and may strengthen uh, the forces of democracy in the longer term.
1: Can you tell us about the upcoming elections on the continent?
2: In Zambia, we have a president in President Lungu Uh, who has lost popularity, who's presiding over a very difficult economic situation, uh, who's trying to change the constitution in ways that seem to basically be designed to enable him to consolidate and expand his power. And I think we're probably going to see an election there where, you know, again, both sides will claim that they've won and there'll be a great deal of controversy over the quality of the election, and whether or not the ruling party has rigged the election to try and retain power. I think in Uganda, we also have a very challenging election coming up where, you know, the opposition will feel that it's been galvanized under Bobby Wine, that it has new and younger leadership and that that will penetrate more um, across the country building on the support base that Kiza Bessege has kind of kept alive for the opposition but potentially reaching new audiences. And again, I think there we will see both members of the opposition and the ruling party claim victory after the elections, which are going to be, I think, again, um, tense and conflictual. We've already seen uh, Bobby Wine, the main opposition leader right now, being arrested. So I think one thing that's important to keep in mind is that because of the countries in which we have elections coming up and because they're particularly... Contested, and we have leaders who seem unwilling to lose office, the the news, as it were, out of Africa when it comes to democracy is probably going to get worse before it gets better.
0: Recent events in Ivory Coast and Guinea, for example, paint a fairly bleak picture for democracy on the continent. There are ways to deepen democracy, and certain countries are getting it right. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Pasha, produced by Tabo Lesilo and Uzair Patel. From me, Goffred
1: And me, Inas Kusanna. Bye for now.